Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came And now, ladies and gentlemen, here he is, the one, the only, Jerry Springer! Oh, my! I was doing. I tell you, uh, May, Megan looks so much older. Yeah, really. I was. That's my half-ass uh, rendition of either Megan Hills or now, Brie Long, Br- Brianna Long, Brie we call her. Yes. Brie. Is a, a college student at the University of Cincinnati. Right. She's a co-op student here. And she's with, handling our social media. She's doing our social media, and yeah. she's she's great. And uh, I said, hey, why don't you sit in Megan's chair? Megan is, uh, she's got a, has a day job, does a lot of traveling. she's trying to push Megan out of the job and get it herself. You think so? She's very really, pushy. Very pushy. And so we said, come on up, sit down and do that. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, here he is, one and the only Jerry Springer, or right. some version of that. Yes. And she said, no, I'm freaking out. I, what? I, I, don't, I don't know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You get a chance once in your life to, to be able the, to say, at the right hand Jerry of Jerry Springer? Springer. Yeah. Won't do it. And you would pass up on pass on that? Yeah, won't, won't do it. I think I think we should try to get her up here. I think yeah, I think let's everyone give her a big hand. She here she is. Here's How Bree. about it? Oh, oh. Okay. Hey, you know what I like? Uh, I tell you what, a hundred dollars. Oh, hundred oh. dollars. Oh, right here. Get it out. Right oh, here. this is good. This is yours. A hundred dollars to come up here and say, here's Jerry. (laughs) You know what I, I'm going to tell you, I I low. no, I love this about her. She is like, I'm not going to do it. And I say, no, then don't do it. Oh, that is. Hey, Bree, he will give you 100. Do you understand that? Do you understand? He will give you a hundred dollars. It's tempting. You're tempted. Put it right there for just I'm a minute. Put it right there. Not long. Just put it right there. I'm going to regret. By the way, we will not disrespect you if you come up. But there it is, no. right there. For a hundred dollars, you do it. We're going to give her ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Take it back. Yeah. Get it back. Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! No, he says no. No. No, it shows oh, in reruns now. For what? And it'd be out of there. It'd be yeah. right there. Wait a second. Lewis Beck's in the house. Oh. Put 500 up there, Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bree Long oh, is a strong woman. I love that. That is amazing. Not going to do it. Hey, by the way, we have this thing called the Songwriter Stump uh, at jerryspringer.com. And it's where... People, songwriters, can submit music to us to then potentially be on our show to be featured. <clears throat> and we get plenty of them. And we've had some of our guests, some of our yeah. uh, musical acts, because we feature up-and-coming songwriters or well-known songwriters, it yeah. doesn't matter, who, and it's all original music. So we got this unusual submission. And it's from a guy, and this is all I know. His name is Ramsey Daniels III. He calls himself the Suburban Blues Man. And here's what he says. He's got a new album out called Suburban Blues, and it's heard on all the usual platforms. He's a Wall Street stockbroker. He lives in Connecticut. He works in Manhattan. And he has liner notes 
that say, this is a quote from him, who tells the stories of the affluent? Our pathos, our pain, our daily struggles about rising jet fuel costs. Amen. <laughs> Busy Amen. streets when I'm trying to get somewhere in New York. I hear you, brother. The lack of, <laughs> the lack of parking spaces oh. in front of Starbucks in the morning. Oh, man. Sure, he goes on to say in his liner notes, sure, the poor have their annoyances, but my life is busy and I have to stay on schedule. These are some of the songs. We're going to play a cut. It's the title song from his album, The Suburban Blues. And here are some of the songs from his album. My Tesla done broke the fuck down. <laughs> That's one of the songs on his album. My Tesla done broke the fuck down. Here's another one. <laughs> this is amazing. I don't know. I don't, know, I, I don't feel good about this guy. Here's another one. <laughs> get out. Get out my damn way. Now this one, when you read the liner notes, he had a uh, power lunch with some stockbrokers at a five star downtown, and there were so many tourists in the street that he was late. So he went back to his office and wrote a song called Get Out My Damn Way. He's got another one. If you buy a Mont Blanc pen, Jerry, you probably have about eight of them. And they, the fountain pens that you fill with ink, if you fly... My people fill them. Your people fill them. <laughs> so you know that if you fly in like a Learjet and you're at about 45,000 oh, feet... they can squirt out. They blow up. Yes. They blow up. Yes. So he ruined an Armani suit with a Mont Blanc pen. He wrote a song called Mont Blanc. Been there. Okay. And this song is Mont Blanc Blows Blues. The Mont Blanc Blows Blues. So I don't know. And we don't even know Blue's first name. No. So uh, Ramsey Daniel. Oh, give it a rest. That's bad. That's horrible. So we've got, I gotta play just a little piece of this title cut of this song. <laughs> well, I woke up this morning, said, How'd I get in this goddamn jail? Yeah, I woke up this morning, said, How'd I get in this goddamn jail? I got over served in that wine bar. And I smashed up my new Jaguar wall. So I pay my bail, head up Starbucks way. Yeah, I pay my goddamn bail, head up Starbucks way. And I stuff my nose with cocaine, stop my stock. I got them suburban blues. I got them suburban blues. I so drunk this morning, I peed all over my shoes. So uh, that's the suburban blues man. That's Ramsey Daniels III. If we could ever get him here, I'm here's what he said. Yeah, I'll tell you one last thing, and then I want to move on here. But I said... Uh, that wasn't in our notes. Wanda <laughs> was in here, yeah. yeah. Um, 
I asked him, I said, would you come on our show? And he said, uh, no, <laughs> well, yes and no. He said, I'm really trying to move my musical career because he says, I'm loving it and there are so many stories that the suburban people need to have told. And I'll tell him, he said. But he says, when people find out who I am, they want to beat my ass. <laughs> they want to beat him up, you know, out on the streets and stuff, because he's, they think it's just obnoxious that he's saying it is kind of obnoxious. the blues like someone, a person from Mississippi or from Memphis or Coalfields or that project. Right. So he said that he'll and then come on. Record it without musical lessons. We're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. chutzpah, <laughs> yeah, what yeah, my yeah, Big balls. Hey, so, so he says, I'll come on the show, yeah. but I, I have to camouflage my voice. So he says what he'll do, and we'll do this on a future show, is, is you ask a question, and I'll ask him, and he'll be on the phone, and he'll give an answer, and I'll give it back to me. So he wants to filter it through me yeah, so, so he doesn't get identified. And also clean it up. And clean it up some, right? Suburban blues man. Hey, um, the other night, I had you over for dinner at my home. My my wife. It was lovely. It made was very nice. A wonderful meal. Had my she brother and did. his uh, wife Robin. Jerry very, and Robin was very nice. And we had a, a really nice. nice time. You came yes. to my home. You parked in my driveway. You yeah. came up my steps. You sat at my dinner table. It was a little embarrassing. I hadn't been to a neighborhood like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I got them suburban blues. <laughs> That's not what I was thinking. <laughs> no, no, no. But so. Anyway. The question, and I had a lot of people ask me this, so I'm asking this for lots of other people who say, why come, that's how they say it where I live, and by the way, we're endorsing Julie Terry Navarre for Ludlow City Council. Right. So she is officially endorsed yes. by the Jerry Springer podcast. And I got to tell you, when you get endorsed by this podcast. Well, look what happened the last time. We, Right. Cat, Matt Catfish Williams was endorsed by the Jerry Springer podcast. And he came in first. First. first because yes. of that endorsement. Yes. So we're endorsing. This is a slam dunk. The slam dunk. So we're endorsing Julie. And we ask everyone who lives in Ludlow, vote for Julie Terry Navarre. If you don't live in Ludlow, move in. Yes. Very quickly. <laughs> yes. And vote for Julie. Yes. Uh, I digress. People have said to me, Jerry sat at your dining room table, yes, yes. ate your free food. Yes. How many times have you been in any home of his and you have six? I'll just say, I know you have six. And I have never, ever, ever, ever been in your airplane. I have never, ever been to your home. I couldn't find it. I've never, ever had that reciprocity of courtesy. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so I wanted to ask, um, wanted to ask you, and by the way, uh, tune in next week, yes. because in next week's podcast, we're going to have Bryce Carlson on next week. And Bryce Carlson He's the fellow that rode, rode across, the, across rode the Atlantic across Ocean, across the North which Atlantic. Is amazing, just to even say it. Alone, yeah. no support boat. Yes. Phenomenal. And he's going to be here. He next will be here at Folk School Coffee Parlor next week. And yeah. he will be Timing's here. Timing's an issue because he's trying to get across the Ohio River. <laughs> he's trying to get to that. Good point. Atlantic Good point. Ocean, piece of cake. The Ohio River because, you know, it's, it's tough. It's muddy. Is that it? As yeah, <laughs> best you got? No, it's flying in today. It's really. Oh. Now, of course, it's because the. 
the serious issue is the flooding, but it's, yeah. it's a tough issue here. It is a tough issue. Uh, and we're recording this on the eve of, by a couple of days, of this huge storm coming up on South Carolina. Right. So we're, uh, we don't, you know, it hasn't happened yet. By the time you hear this, it oh, may have. Yeah. And, and speaking of archived episodes, because most people hear this as it's archived, our episodes come out about six days after we record them. You can always, always want to remind people, you can see this live every episode. If you go to jerryspringer.com, that lays out the schedule. Then you can watch on Facebook Live by simply connecting up with us on the Jerry Springer Podcast Facebook page by uh, liking it, um, and then you can see us live. Or you can go to jerryspringer.com because we live stream it. So there is a yeah. way to hear these and see these as they're happening. And the way we look, it's a treat to see us live. You think, huh? Yeah. Well, actually, it. it you better hurry up. Yeah. <laughs> we may you, not have much time left. If you want to see us live, get, get, get your tickets well, now. Well, let's put, Man. It, let's put it this way. If you want to see, if, see us live in kind of a hip environment, a youthful, edgy, hipster coffee shop, then come hear us, see us oh, now. Come in person. Because in about a year or very soon after that, we're going to be doing this from a, from a senior citizen home. Yeah. So be in like the dining room. Yeah. They'll put up a table with a couple fake you mics. You know how we did the elevator comics? Yeah, that Which, didn't. By the way, I failed, went, by the way. Oh, it did not <laughs> fail. Well, I'm still getting requests. Yeah. But we, we're going to hit the nursing home soon. Yeah, that's right. We're going to start working. We could work be an act homes. in the nursing, <laughs> nursing homes. homes. Elevator comics is you get on an elevator, and between the time it took to go between first floor and third floor, we would do jokes like stand-up comedy. And we'd and be people over are the stuck on, they're on the elevator with us, and yeah. we do jokes. Yeah, we'd be over in the corner, and I'd say, hey, Jerry, who was that older guy you were talking to? He's pointing to his ear. Oh, the guy with the hearing aid? Yeah, what was that all about? This is the finest hearing aid money can buy. Really? Yeah, so, uh, so I said, yeah, well, what kind is it? He said, four o'clock. Hey, um, <laughs> who? I wanted to ask you about, speaking of archives. <laughs> hey, Bree, you want to come one, up two, here? one, two. <laughs> Hey, Bree, $600. He's getting his wallet out. (laughs) The whole damn wallet. Hey, uh, Supreme Court, the hearings are upon us, and we've had hearings, and now they're into this next phase. Uh, So what do you think of Brett Brett Kavanaugh, his chances, and that whole situation? Well, by the time most people that listen to our podcast, by the time they actually hear it, we'll know whether or not, um, you know, he's been confirmed and is the next Supreme Court justice. And uh, for those of us of our um, political bent, um, the idea of him on the Supreme Court, which would make the court, frankly, pretty right-wing conservative, and uh, it has an enormous impact as any Supreme Court appointment would be, but his, of course, as we've all said, is he tips, there's no longer the, you know, the middle vote, which way is Kennedy going to go? Because when he retired, Kavanaugh will always go to the right. It's hard to find, you know, cases in his judicial history uh, where he's been anywhere even close to moderate. So you've got a right-wing Supreme Court, and he's young enough that this is going to be for, you know, it's a lifetime appointment, so we could be talking decades, and that's how serious this is. 
the Supreme Court, you know, one, it's the lifetime appointment, and two, it's, it's so consequential. I mean, just in recent years, the conservative Supreme Court chose who our president would be in the year 2000, and it's chipped away for these last decades on Roe versus Wade. It's, uh, the, this right-wing court has placed in jeopardy minority voting rights, workers' rights to organize, workers' rights to sue, consumer um, rights, women's rights over their own, own bodies, rights of gays and lesbians and transgender, the whole issue of gun control, Citizens United, which has basically turned um, political fundraising over to you know, large corporations. So th these are very consequential decisions that the court makes. Initially, it was set up to be a, the third branch of government, and it was set up to be this basically nonpartisan uh, issuance of real justice that the executive, the president, and the Congress can fight over issues, legislation, but when it was time for the wisdom from above, it would come from the Supreme Court. And yet, those days are gone. The Supreme Court is now just a weapon for the party in power. It's been weaponized. There's no longer, well, we'll go to the Supreme Court and find out what the truthful answer is. It's not. They have an agenda. And it's absurd to believe that the court doesn't have an agenda anymore. Now, our founding fathers didn't make a mistake because when they wrote the Constitution, they didn't know there'd be such a thing as political parties. Political parties didn't come around till 1800. So in the beginning, there was no thought to that. But over the years, particularly in the 20th century, the Supreme Court started to have its own ideology. Early part of the 20th century, it was incredibly conservative. And to be fair, the Democrats have played partisanship with the Supreme Court as well. Franklin Roosevelt gets, arrest, uh, gets arrested. Franklin Roosevelt gets elected. Nowadays, it's hard to tell the difference between being elected and being arrested, uh, Donald Trump. So, uh, yeah. But he gets elected in 1932 as a response to the Depression. And uh, all of a sudden, in comes the New Deal, which was this most significant movement of America you know, in the last century. There's no question the government had made the decision, which the American public has bought into, that government has a role to play in making sure there's a, people at the bottom will be helped, that people in times of trouble will be helped. And so the New Deal came along and gave us all this very significant legislation, whether it was the National Recovery Act, the Agricultural Adjustment Act, minimum wage, uh, limit, uh, maximum number of hours, you know, all the way up through Social Security. I mean, things that we don't even think about anymore. It's obviously, it's part of American life and the role of government. That was the New Deal. But the Supreme Court came along in 1936 after Roosevelt gets reelected by 
the largest margin since George Washington, and the Supreme Court came along and tried to do away with all the New Deal legislation, saying that this was moving towards communism. This was socialism, at least, that was doing away with the American ideal. And they literally called unconstitutional the New Deal legislation. Well, Roosevelt, now seeing that he got this huge re-election victory, he overstepped his bounds at the time. And he decided, well, if he couldn't get this Supreme Court to go along with the New Deal, he would just expand the size of the Supreme Court from nine members to 15. He would add six new Supreme Court justices. He said at the time, which wasn't really honest, he says, well, the Supreme Court, the members are getting so old, it's too much of a burden for them to take all these cases. We're just going to have to have more Supreme Court justices. And so he said, for every member of the Supreme Court who is 70 years and older, I'll appoint a new one. And of course, he would appoint six, there were six that were 70 or older, and so he would appoint six that were liberal, and therefore his New Deal legislation could survive. Well, everyone caught on to what he was doing, and there was a great public reaction, and it was beaten back. But that's just to see that once in a while, Democrats get involved in playing politics with the Supreme Court. And it wasn't just uh, FDR also playing uh, politics with the Supreme Court. Well, the Supreme Court, the Warren Court came about in the 1950s and 60s. And the Warren Court, God bless it, from our point of view, all of a sudden it made wonderful decisions. Uh, obviously, the Civil Rights Act is the most prominent one, but also increasing the rights of defendants, etc. And so it was greatly liberalized, but it became a political issue because those of us old enough to remember, you drive down highways in America, and remember those signs, impeach Earl Warren? So Republican candidates were getting elected that if they, if they get elected, they'll move to impeach the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. So it was political then as well. And then in the 80s, uh, President Reagan nominates uh, Robert Bork. And Robert Bork, to his credit, was totally honest. He said what his view was on issues such as Roe versus Wade, etc. Nowadays, everyone dodges the issues, but he actually said where he stood. And the Democrats stopped the appointment of Robert Bork, not on competence, but clearly because of his position on issues. And that really was about the first time that political parties didn't even pretend to look for just a qualified person to be a Supreme Court justice. That with Bork really was the first time that a political party said, honestly, we don't like your politics, therefore you can't be on the Supreme Court. And it has been political ever since. These hearings are a sham. Everyone comes up, they get the questions which they know they're gonna get, and they never answer. They dodge, you know, they dodge the bullet. They say, well, I don't wanna deal with a hypothetical. 
uh, or I can't give you an answer on that particular question because it's a current case. And that answer is understandable. But to say in this interview of a person to be a Supreme Court justice, I, don't I won't answer hypotheticals, why don't we say, then leave? Because when you have a job interview, virtually every question you get, other than your background, is a hypothetical. How would you deal with this situation? We want to know before we make a decision to confirm you or to hire you, how you would deal with this. That's a very appropriate question. And what makes this, particularly with Kavanaugh, a, a legitimate fair question to ask is the fact that he was asked, would he recuse himself if the question of whether President Trump can be subpoenaed or whether he can be indicted? He says, that's a hypothetical, I, I will not answer that. It's not a hypothetical. It's something that we have to know whether he's going to recuse himself because that is conflict of interest. There is no possible way, if he gets approved on the Supreme Court and there is now a decision on whether or not Trump can get subpoenaed or Trump can be indicted, he has to vote on that. The guy that appoints him is the one that now he's going to sit in judgment of him. If that isn't a conflict of interest, what is? I mean, if that isn't one, what is? It makes no sense. We have an illegitimate president, and I say that because that's God's truth. He's the illegitimate president didn't get as many votes as Hillary did, was aided by the Russians, and now we find out that he paid off someone to keep quiet two weeks before the election that no person on this earth believes wouldn't have been the difference of the only 70,000 votes that made him president in Wisconsin and uh, Michigan. Okay, so he's the illegitimate president. I know technically he's the president, but don't for a second think that that was the wish of the American people in a fair election. So you got an illegitimate president picking someone to be on the Supreme Court that will be the deciding vote, because it's 4-4, deciding vote on whether he can be indicted and whether he can be subpoenaed. How is that not conflict of interest? There can never be another case of conflict of interest if he doesn't recuse himself from that. And if he doesn't say ahead of time that I would recuse myself from... In other words, we're not asking him to give his, his opinion on whether or not it, an indictment, a president can be indicted. We're not asking him to give his opinion on whether or not a president can be subpoenaed. Keep that to yourself. But there is a conflict which we already know exists. And therefore, if there is any honor in this system, Republican, Democrat, anybody has to say, you have to recuse yourself from that issue by itself. 
If he doesn't, this whole thing is a sham. So what's, what's the remedy? There are remedies, though I don't have confidence in any of them. Obviously, it would be great if we could get back the filibuster, that you would need six, 60 votes to get a, a Supreme Court nominee um, approved. Because that would mean you'd have to get votes from the other party. It couldn't just be one party's nomination. I think better would be the Senate passing a law which says in order to be approved to the United States Supreme Court, you have to get the votes of a majority of both parties. 50% of the Democrats, 50% of Republicans, whoever it is. Because that would force us not having a person of extreme views on the Supreme Court. If you have to get a majority of both parties, every president would have to pick someone that was acceptable to both sides, and you'd, you'd get moderation. That is the proper way to do it. Do I have any confidence that it'll happen? No, because in order to get that passed, the Senate has to pass it, and they're not going to pass it because the Republicans are in control now. They don't want to give it up. And if the Democrats get into power, they probably don't want to give it up either. They're right to have one. The only answer is, as is with all these questions, is you get Democrats to control the Congress for now, and then everybody that goes to the polls from now on, any politician that endorses anyone that supports a Supreme Court nominee who will reduce the rights of our citizens, either take away women's rights, minority rights, gay and lesbian rights, workers' rights, anybody that seeks to reduce the rights that individuals have in America is not fit to sit on the Supreme Court of the United States. That's not partisanship, that's just justice. Good one, Jerry. We're gonna bring up now uh, a group called Hickory Robot. And um, as they are coming in, uh, I want to mention that you can hear their music at hickoryrobot.com. Pretty straightforward. Um, and they're on iTunes, iTunes and uh, usual places you can hear good music. Tell, tell us who you are, if you would. I'm Jim. And Jim, Jim introduce a group real fast, would you okay. please? Okay. Uh, we're just meeting. This is Scott Carter right. on mandolin. Uh, Lauren Schlomer. Hello. Okay. On fiddle. And back on bass is Mr. Aaron Jacobs. All right, and where do you guys... Hey, welcome. Thank you. Hickory Robot. Tell us where you guys are from. Are you... Cincinnati area. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. And uh, do a song for us, and then we'll talk on the other side. Be you? happy to. Okay. Tight. 
Great song. Lauren, good job. 
Thank yes. you. Very cool. And what, uh, the other guys didn't do a good no, job? No, no, well, they did. In fact, uh, <laughs> written by, who wrote that? I wrote that. that it, Jim. Uh, Jim wrote that. Uh, Jim Pels, correct? Correct, yes. Uh, very cool. And it's you. called Rank and File. It's uh, called you probably rank and file. Mm -hmm. caught the refrain. Uh, uh, to tell us where, how did you guys come together here in the in this greater Cincinnati area? <laughs> well, we're celebrating our 10th anniversary. All right. So the story goes back 10 years, but we won't take that long. And you have an album uh, that's in production now. We do. You yeah. can't hear you on Spotify and uh, hickoryrobot.com, Correct, iTunes. Facebook. You can find us Good. all over Instagram. Um, we have two albums out, Firefly and Sawyer, and we're working on our third one. It's turning out really, really nice. We're very excited. Basically, Scott and I were kind of working at the same location 10 years ago, and we kept talking about getting together and playing. and you know, hey, call it Hickory Robot and laugh, and, and then we got a gig, and 10 years later, here we are. Well, it's fantastic, <laughs> and we're going to ask, they're going to get these guys back, maybe get them back, in fact, next week. They're a local band, so we can do that. Uh, would you take us out on Down by the Riverside and Jerry Spring? We'll jump in on the second verse. We'd be happy to. All right, here we go. Hickory Robot. <clears throat> Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website, jerryspringer.com.